So every year on August 6th, we celebrate the theological feast of the Transfiguration. And every second Sunday of Lent, the Transfiguration is the gospel told from the different versions of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The episode of the Transfiguration takes place in the gospel immediately following the first announcement of the Passion of Jesus, when he shares with his close followers the fact that he will be handed over, that he will suffer, that he will be crucified, and that he will rise from the dead. Immediately, almost immediately, follows the transfiguration. The scholars tell us this is way, God's way of, of lessening decreasing the harshness of the reality of the passion. To not get caught up in that mystery, but to see it in the great mystery of the resurrection, of the transfiguration, of the full revelation of the divinity of God in the person of Jesus. We can maybe say that we have it now during Lent because these last 10 or 12 days of Lent Our practices have been so hard in our lives that we've been so detached from the material comforts that we're about to give up already. And so Mother Church gives us the glimpse of the transfiguration so that we can persevere. Hopefully we've set the standard, the bar for our Lenten practices so high that it seems so quickly impossible to keep them up. And maybe this is why we have this transfiguration today, to meditate upon the glory of God, to say that it's worth going through these sufferings, these sacrifices of Lent, because we know and the end is glory. If we've just tried to give up chocolate or, or not you know, be on our phone past 9 p.m., we probably don't need this acknowledgement of the transfiguration. If we've taken the easy way through Lent, if we really haven't come to face the reality of our attachment to our bodies and to this world, why do we need a little reprieve? And this is what's at stake in this season of Lent. Is that Mother Church invites us to get in touch with the reality of our sin. And no, it's not fun to hear it. It's not fun to preach it. But this is the reality. Because how many of us, like Peter in the gospel, can say, it's good that we are here and we want to build a tent to stay here? How many of us can really exclaim that? That our encounter with Jesus in the Holy Mass is so earth-shattering, so life-changing, that we know it's good to be here, and we don't want to leave. I can't speak for anyone else, but I know I don't always have that feeling. I'm not yet completely detached from my body and from this world. I was trying to count how many times my mind was wondering during the readings already today. Like, what did they say? I mean, just, it's so easy to be distracted and lose sight of what the most important thing in the entire universe is. 
And so Mother Church gives us this beautiful season of Lent. Not as a punishment, but as a beautiful present, a gift. Because I hope that you have failed. I know I failed. I had to go to confession today because I failed in my religion practices. I regularly go, but today was for that reason. It's not bad to fail if you set the bar high. Because we're supposed to come to the face of the fact that we can't do this on our own. That we're helpless. And we're hopeless without Jesus. But with Jesus, we have everything we need. And with Jesus, we can say with Peter, it is good that we are here and I want to stay. A few weeks ago, we had that passage from St. Paul saying, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. And we, we, we took a little dive into what that word means and what does it mean to preach the gospel. And last week, our reading was again the beginning of Mark's gospel. Where Jesus says, repent, the the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe in the gospel, that now is the time. So once again, being confronted with that notion of the gospel, and this the, the theme of Lent, of repentance. And so the gospel, that God loves you, and that God created you because he loves you, and God desires to be in a relationship with you. That's the good news. But the bad news is that sin corrupted that. We were made in the beginning, Adam and Eve, made in the image and likeness of God. But sin corrupts that likeness so that we're no longer like God. Image, yes. Likeness, no. And so we live in this corrupted state. But God promises salvation. God promises redemption. In the person of Jesus Christ, God has come to us to redeem us, to save us, to rescue us from the slavery to sin. And then he invites us to respond to his invitation to live a life of radical discipleship with him. To no longer be enslaved, not like the Israelites were in Egypt, but enslaved to ourselves our preferences, our desires, our wants, enslaved to our disordered passions and our darkened mind. Because what's the effect of sin is that I don't know the truth anymore. And I can't choose what I know to be as good. And my passions, my, my addiction to sin, my attachment to this world guides the decisions that I make. And Lent is supposed to bring us face to face with the reality not to make us depressed or to be hating of ourselves, but to cry out to God, to yearn for him stronger, to be completely, to be recognized or complete and utter dependence on him for everything. The, our opening prayer this evening talks about the purity of our spiritual sight. And we know what Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount, that blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. And that's what we pray for today at this Mass, is that we can see God, much like Peter, James, and John had the veil of heaven opened up, and they were able to see God in his glory in the person of Jesus Christ. This is what we pray for. 
And as disciples of Jesus Christ, living in the fullness of the revelation in the Catholic Church, we should believe that that vision is possible. And not just when we get to heaven, but today. That God promises us that we will live the abundant life. That the joy that he comes to bring, the joy can be complete. Just like Jesus predicted his passion, his death, we too must suffer and die. And not just the physical death. In some sense, that's going to be the easy death. The spiritual death that we all avoid. Because I like my Oreos and my ice cream. I like my Netflix. I like that music. I like my big house and my gated community and my fancy car. I like my watch that does everything for me. I like my running water, my air conditioning, and my heater. I like my pillow, my comfortable bed. I like me. And I want to enhance me as much as I can. I want to live my best life and become the best version of myself. We're addicted and attached to this world and to ourselves. And Christ died to set us free so that we can live, so that we can Walk before the Lord in the land of the living. To experience the fullness of God's grace in this life. And so this constant call of repentance. And this desire to live the fullness. The spiritual masters of our faith over the, two, the last 2,000 years have written to us about the three stages of the spiritual life, of the interior life. Remember on Ash Wednesday when Jesus said, when you pray, go to your interior room. Go into your heart. Go there. Where oftentimes we find the darkness of our sin, of our attachments, of our less than perfect way of life. Go there and invite Christ there so that he can heal you. It makes no sense to go to the doctor and not tell them what's wrong with you. It makes no sense to come to the Lord and pretend to be perfect when we know that we're not. So there's three stages of the spiritual life that Mother Church presents to us. And you can go online, you, probably, you may have books in your, at your home about it, and there's different variations, there's different methodologies, but simply, the first stage is purgation. The second stage is illumination. And the third stage is unity. And we, we get purged from our attachment to self and to this world. And we begin to hate our sin. We begin to yearn for the things of God. It's not a perfect struggle. We fail probably more times than we succeed. But we are aware that there's something more than this world can offer. And in some way, I want it, even though I don't know how to get there. Like, I know there's a great national park somewhere in Utah, and I want to go visit, but I don't know how to get there. I have to get my stuff together so I can make that journey. This is the first stage of our spiritual life. And if we live Lent well, we'll come face to face with it really quickly. And then illumination, the light. Like the cartoons we used to watch, the light bulb goes off. 
we get a glimpse into the mind of God. We get to understand how he thinks. And we begin to not live for ourselves, but for him and for others. That we're no longer satisfied with being satisfied. We no longer run away from pain and suffering. But as we meditate upon the cross, which is God's sign of love, we realize that the sufferings that I'm enduring can be redemptive. That I can unite myself to Christ. That I can join more firmly, more fully, the body of Christ. That I begin to yearn to follow God's will. To do His will. Because I know that it's good. I enjoy the things of God. And I get those, the sweetness that comes from rejecting sin and entering into deep prayer and praying the rosary and praying the stations, of doing acts of virtue, of truly loving my neighbor. It feels good when I'm no longer attached to myself to do these things. And again, it's not a perfect stage. Sometimes I fall back. Sometimes my old self does creep up and I do give in. But I know that God loves me. And so I can run to confession. And like the prodigal father, he will welcome me with arms and restore me to grace. And this is all in preparation for the unitive stage. To be one with him. To just simply enjoy his company. Those of you who've been married for many years, you may have achieved this in your, in your marriage. That it's no longer the sweet feelings, although they may be there, but you simply enjoy being with your beloved. And just being with them is enough. These are the stages of the spiritual life. And it's not a linear stage, like I graduate from one, then I go to two, and then I go to three. It's very fluid. And sometimes we can be in, the same, in different stages almost simultaneously. Mother Church invites us this season of Lent to truly open up our heart to the Lord. To allow His grace to remind us that we can't do this on our own. That when I try to do it on my own, I get stuck in sin. And I just repeat the same circle again and again. And so like a, a toddler in a temper tantrum who eventually just gives up, we do too. Say, Lord, I'm tired of trying to make it on my own. I can't do this. Help me. Help me, Lord. Such a simple and beautiful prayer which will accelerate us in this spiritual life. Help me, Lord, to understand, to love the things that you love, how you love them and why you love them. Help me, Lord, to stop using people for my own good. Help me, Lord, to see and to use things according to your design and your purpose. Lord, help me to want to be with you. Mother Church invites us today to begin this journey or to continue this journey, this journey of purification so that we can be enlightened 
by the mind and the will of God so that we can enjoy his presence, so that we can truly say, yes, Lord, it is good that we are here. Amen.